Hello and welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee, as you can hear in the background. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Dedman. I'm joined as I am every week by Mr. Shane Reeves. I'm just bright-eyed and bushy-tailed tonight. You and me both. I've got one of my favorite cigars that I'm going to get to smoke on the show tonight. You've given me one of your new favorite cigars to I smoke have. on the show tonight. The environment in here is a little loud, but that I, I kind of like the energy. It's electric. Yeah. There's I'll, a big table of about eight or ten guys back there that are just kind of, looks like they just got off work, coming to have a good time, kind of unwind a little bit. It's a great shop environment. Not hardcore cigar guys. You can tell none of them are. They're the casual guy. Anytime you get a group together like that, they rarely are, I find. Yeah, rarely are they, but they do have the cigar in their hand. It's it's a good environment. It's a yeah, good mood. It is. So, tonight, let's talk about our smokes first. Go for it. So, tonight, I'm going to smoke the Southern Draw Jacob's Ladder. Love this cigar. Love the company, Southern Draw. You've talked about this cigar on the show a few times. I have, and um, actually at Casa de Monte Cristo this month, their featured four-pack is the Southern Draw, and it's the Jacob's Ladder, the Kudzu, the Firethorn, and the Rose of Sharon. It sounds like a J.R.R. Tolkien <laughs> well, and it's anthology. Well, on, it's only 20 bucks, so at 5 bucks a cigar, it's a steal. So They've got some great bundles that they put together over there. They do. They, they do a great job. But the Jacob's Ladder, it's a broadleaf wrapper from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So that's a unique wrapper. Amish grown. Yep. <laughs> Paired with Ecuadorian Maduro binder and fillers from Nicaragua and the Lajero is from Esteli. Actually rolled in the A.J. Fernandez factory. Oh, perfect. I didn't know that. I very, didn't either. Very dark, very rich cigar Brilliant blue and gold label. That one looks like uh, like it's been sitting out in the sun. You know, what I mean, it just yeah. looks worn, yeah, it's weathered. A lot of tooth on the wrapper. Yeah, you got a lot of tooth on the wrapper. It's a it's a good cigar, and I love that color scheme, that blue and gold. When I win the lottery and buy a Lamborghini, it'll blue, be blue and gold. Blue and gold. That's going to be my Lamborghini color. <laughs> But I just love that that entire thing. I love everything about this cigar. Can't wait to get it light up and start drawing on it. Well, I am actually really excited about my cigar as well because ever since you smoked it on the show about a month or two ago, I've been looking to get my hands on it. It's the Guardian of the Farm. And you spoke so highly of this cigar that it made me immediately want to go out and get it, and I just haven't been able to find one, so I really appreciate it. Um, it's, it's smaller than I normally smoke in ring gauge it's lighter in color than i usually smoke but the recipe and and your review of it i mean tells me everything i need to know it's nicaraguan binder filler and wrapper it's corojo wrapper and binder with criollo and corojo filler so lots of flavor in those leaves those are such great cigars. Of course, they're named after the dogs that patrol the farm there. And the little wrapper has a bulldog on the cover. I've put away five or six of those. That's definitely at the price point those are. They're right around that $8 range. Yeah. I'll probably be putting some, putting a box of those in my locker at some point. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's Casa Fernandez. Is that what you said? Is that where the... Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, this one's rolled at the AJ, AJ Fernandez Cigars de Nicaragua. Okay. And all. And the Southern Draw, it comes in three shapes. And here's what I love about Southern Draw. Simple company. Gordo Robusto Toro. Nothing fancy. Not the, not the worm wiggler, night crawler, fur baby, <laughs> none of those things. Just straight up. So when it comes to sizing, Gordo Robusto Toro. Yeah, that's all, that's all you really need. You know, the Gordo, which is what I've spoken tonight, six and a half by 60, that's a lot of cigar, mm-hmm. and it's ten ninety nine. Yeah, you really can't beat that. Hard to beat it. Um, just like I said, a great cigar, and like I said, it's the featured four-pack this month at Monte Cristo, so I'll probably be getting an excuse to go up there and grab a couple. You know, I used to smoke a lot of 6 by 60s and I had one today for the first time in a while, and I cannot figure out how I used to smoke so many of those. That is such a big cigar. I just don't enjoy it like I used to. 
I just enjoy the complexity of it, but by scale, my body scales a little differently well, than yours does. Yeah, that's that's probably true. But you yeah. know, when the Myuzi weighs a ton first came out, back when it was actually Myuzi weighs a ton, not Muwat. Right. Uh, I used to smoke all the time. I used to smoke that six by sixty almost daily, and then I had a, a charter oak this afternoon while I was finishing up the workday, and it was and it was just too unwieldy. Now, is there anything better than taking and coming to the cigar store to get work done? Getting a little relief, getting to come here, and you kind of, that little bit of nicotine stimulating the brain. We spoke about this on last week's show. No, it's it's absolutely perfect. You know, I I don't get to work remotely very often, but I always try and maximize what I've been given. It was just a little too chilly to stay at the house and sit on the balcony and work today, so I ventured down here for the afternoon. Well, and I think that's the way of the future. We're going to see a lot more of that working remotely in our future. Oh, I've, you know, I've been doing some some TV work for some people, and the number of people I meet that I'm doing it, and they work remote, and they only remote, never go into the office. The one I did today was that way. Now, my wife and I had this discussion because at some point in her new job, she'll have the option of working remotely. Do you think working remotely hinders your ability to advance? I don't, but I, I think it depends on the industry and the company. You know, if you've got a company where everyone works remote, then I don't think it affects you. If you're the only one in your company that works remote, I think it very well may. I just think if you're, if you're a boss... And you need somebody to find the balance. You don't want somebody that works remote every day. You want somebody that works remote three days a week, four days a week. Yeah. But at some point, you want him in your place saying, hey, you do this, this, and this. Yeah. And like I said, I think it depends. You know, if you're doing some administrative kind of work, if you're doing some type of work that uh, customer service call center stuff, that's very easy. And because so much of advancement in those industries tends to come from numbers. Right. That's, that's pretty easy. You're not but if it's something where you're in a strategic role where you need to workshop and whiteboard some stuff and you need to be in the room with the decision makers, you know, teleconferencing just doesn't doesn't have the same punch. Yeah, you can't read the emotions as well. Right. So this week the cigar industry asked the court to drop the new cigar warning label legislation. And this was on the heels of the AMPRM that they released last week. Correct. So the cigar industry and then Texas cigar industry has filed on top of that for the same thing. So they're getting, the FDA is now being sued twice for the same thing. And well, this one's not part of the lawsuit. Right. This is a separate suit. Right, right. But this is, you know, last week we talked about it because the FDA wanted to combine Cigar Rights of America and the Texas cigar industry into one suit that they had to fight and haven't got it okayed yet. Right. But this thing about the warning labels has has less to do with the lawsuit and more to do with the fact that the fact that the, the regulations may never come into the fold. So why force us to do this regulation only to have to undo it later? That was kind of their main crux of their argument. And it makes sense. Well, I wish we lived in a world where the crux of the argument could be Hey, the warning labels don't do nothing. Right. The warning labels are useless. The warning labels are you trying to do something just for the sake of doing something, FDA. Well, and it's visual, right? So yeah. you can say, oh, I did that. Yeah. Look, look at that. That's me. You know, yeah. I, I made something happen. But especially when it comes to, like, they have to put warning labels on ashtrays and hats and T-shirts. That doesn't make any sense to me. It's ridiculous. I mean, you don't have to put warning labels on Budweiser shirts. I mean, I'm going to look cool smoking a cigar regardless of how many warning labels are on the box in there. Well, it's going to get to the point where we're all going to look like NASCAR drivers with all the patches on our clothing and our hats and stuff. It's going to look like we're sponsored by the Surgeon General's warning. Well, if the FDA had their way, we would all be wearing a big racing shirt that said, Caution, what I'm doing may be dangerous to my health. It may be dangerous to your health. Run away, kids. And it's it's ridiculous. It's absolute insanity. I wish we lived in a world where a judge would just say, Take this stuff out of my court. Why are y'all wasting my my breath? Right. And but, I'll, Sorry, but, go ahead. Well, but that does bring me kind of 
to another subject that I've been wrestling with lately that I did want to discuss. Okay. I seem to invest a lot of energy in my life hating government and hating politicians. I spend an inordinate amount of time doing the same. What does a modern man do to cope with it without it getting without the idiocy, the fact that we live in an idiocracy? I smoke cigars. Uh, <laughs> well, no, I mean, what, the best thing I have found is staying off of social media. I've gotten rid of Twitter pretty much, unless I'm complaining to a company, that's the only thing I use it for. And, and Facebook, I try and spend as little time on it as I can because it, it's become nothing but posts and links. There's no individual updates anymore. That's why I've pretty much exclusively gone to Instagram because then I can get away from all that mess. Because it, no matter where you fall on on one side or the other of an issue, you find yourself going into the comment section and this person's an idiot, that person's an idiot, you're both idiots, and you're arguing with each other over idiocy. And it just, it becomes, it, it's, it's garbage in, garbage out kind of thing. It is, and I think that so. Your your argument would be limiting exposure mm-hmm. would be the secret to to not investing so much energy that you have to physically the, hate the government. The other thing that I've thought been thinking about a lot recently is is get involved, do something about it. You know, we're a very rapidly growing city here, and with that comes a lot of changeover in the local political sphere. So the ability to get involved with your local politics is, we talked last week about not being a career politician, right? It's not something I'm looking at long term, but it's something I do want to get a little bit more involved, more plugged into my community and get out there and maybe, maybe start talking to some people that can do something about something. And that may be, you know, a perfect example is the Georgia raising tobacco tax 40%. Yeah. Now... Here's the thing. Although that being said, I found out today apparently that we just increased sales tax here again. I went to Starbucks right before the show, like I do a lot of times, and the my, I get the same thing every time. I get a venti americano, black. That's just that's what I drink because their drip coffee is awful. Um, I might as well lick that ashtray. It's the same flavor, and it's three fifty-five. Tell us how you really feel. It's three fifty-five. It has been for years. And so I get up there, and I've already got my cash, my exact change, and he goes three fifty-seven. What? <laughs> are you, are you, I, I don't care about the two cents, but you're messing with my memory. <laughs> well, so I look at my life as, you know, there's the old Indian saying, you know, a man has two wolves inside of him, and one of them is hate, greed, and loathing, and the other is happiness, fulfillment, and love. And the young Indian asked the older one, well, which wolf wins? He says, the one you feed. So, but I don't, I've got more than two wolves in me. I've got a whole pack, and they're going every direction known to man. But I try not to, when I see something I'm investing energy in, I try not to feed that wolf. And so I think you're on to something. I think I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to step back the amount of time I spend dwelling on the idiocy, the idiocracy. Mm-hmm. That's what, you know, running does is a great thing for me. And I know you spend a lot of time at the gym in the mornings and, and I kind of disconnect a little more than you do. I think you're still watching TV and doing some stuff, but you know, I, I put on a playlist and I just go and, and I'm not thinking about anything, but how bad my knee hurts and how hard I'm breathing. Well, and you're running a lot harder than I'm walking. Right. But at the same time, like just having that avenue to disconnect and, and just completely shut everything out, I think is whether whether you're shutting out the good or the bad or both, I think it's... Speaking of which, I know we're wandering away from cigars, but I have to tell you this story. Okay. I'm a storyteller by nature. I don't know if anybody ever noticed that or not. Certainly no one who listens to this show. <laughs> So, Good Friday is my fishing day. That's mm-hmm. a traditional day that my father and I have fished together. Y'all cleaned up, too. Oh, yeah. We had we caught we 38, clean 38, uh, striped bass, largemouth bass, and bluegill. And we threw all the largemouth but one back. The one was just one that my Uncle Dan absolutely had to keep. <laughs> but... Is it going to be shellacked and on his wall next winter? <laughs> no, he just really wanted to eat that particular bass. And I was like, well, damn. Did it owe him money? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's sort of what I was wondering. I was like, damn, it's, it's a bass. We need to turn it back. It, it could be a trophy someday. We've got, you know, 
50 pounds of meat and stripe and brim. Oh, no, I want to eat that fish, Shane. <laughs> All right. So, anyway, we, we cleaned up, but I spent the night down there Thursday night. And I sat down, and a friend of mine had given me a very nice Padron cigar. And people who've checked the Facebook page seen my post of me sitting on the riverbank smoking this really nice Padron cigar. I had Tullamore Dew 15-year-old, small batch, triple-filtered whiskey. Had a good shot of that. And just sat there enjoying it. My uncle sits down next to me, and he says... What kind of cigar are you smoking? That smells wonderful. I said, well, that's a Padron. He said, well, that, he said, I'm, I've never smoked one. I might smoke one of those. He said, what's it cost? I said, well, <laughs> I said, this one was a gift. I said, I, it's $35 cigar. He said, $35? If I smoked a $35 cigar, I would chop the ashes and snort them afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> but... Anyway, that's the cigar part of the story. Okay. So the next day, my aunt was fixing me breakfast, and breakfast for us is a big deal. We've spoken of chocolate gravy and fried eggs and ham and biscuits and all the good things in life Mm -hmm. on this show before. She was fixing a big breakfast at 7 o'clock. I told my dad, I said, okay, she's got breakfast ready at 7 o'clock. I've got to walk from 6 to 7. I've got to hit this breakfast with my metabolism going wide open. And he said, I'll walk with you. Well, I showed him. He's had a Fitbit for years. I showed him how to engage his Fitbit. Okay. So it would record the walk. Right. So it would record the walk. He'd never recorded one of his exercise sessions. Well, about mile four, she texted him, and she said, um, which I know an hour for mile four for you sounds like we were going back in time. We were going (laughs) so slow, but we're old. Um, But she texted him, hey, biscuits are ready. And I looked over. I said, Dad, biscuits are ready. We got to catch another gear. He said, I caught my last gear a mile and a half ago. <laughs> we got back of the one-hour walk. He had spent or he had spent 38 minutes at 178 beats a minute. Wow. I said, Dad, why didn't you tell me you were dying? <laughs> I said, you could have tapped out. I'd have went home, ate biscuits, then got the car and come and got you. I mean, <laughs> come on. <laughs> but he's a 60. He's 60, a trooper. Oh, yeah, he's a 63-year-old man and tough as an old boot. I would. I mean, if my heart rate had been 178 for 38 minutes, but he just he hung in there. He that, just, that's the zone workout right there. Oh yeah, he was in. Yeah, he he blew through fat burn, blew through cardio. He was at peak. Yeah. For 38 minutes of a one-hour walk, I'm like, holy cow. So how long did he nap that afternoon? Well, we had breakfast, and then we went and dug crawdads. We had been fishing for about two hours before I checked his Fitbit and actually seen that he had calmed down to the fat-burning zone. <laughs> I was like, well, you won't burn. You won't have to worry about no calories today. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I got sidetracked. I had to tell a story. Oh, no, that's fine. That's that's hilarious. So I, some other cigar news, to bring it kind of back a little bit, something I found today that I think is really interesting. Apparently, friend of the show, Nate McIntyre, likes Half Wheel more than he likes us. How dare he? Because he gave them a little more insight into some of their new releases that are coming, or one of their new releases that's coming out this year. When we had him on the show, he mentioned that, I mean, obviously, I, I know he couldn't talk about it, but mentioned there were a lot of great anniversaries coming up and that they had no intentions of letting those go by unnoticed. Well, today, we kind of find out what he's talking about. They've got plans to release later this year, probably around showtime, that the Nesta Miranda Collection 75th anniversary is going to be released at the end of this year. Now, they haven't released... He didn't give them much, but we do now know that it's going to be made in the My Father factory. And anybody that knows me knows that I think that's an absolute recipe for success. I'm, I've Ever since we had him on the show, I have been elbows deep in... Miami Cigar and La Aurora Cigars, and the the green label Nestor Miranda and the blue label Nestor Miranda that they've got out now is a perfect, they, they make them in the smaller sizes, the little petite Coronas, it's a perfect lunch smoke. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Well, the Nestor Mirandas, I've smoked one of them in my life, so it's time for me to give it another chance. And the time I smoked it, I think I was smoking on a dirty palate because I didn't enjoy it as much as I would. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely something that's got to slide back into my rotation. I've got to give it a shot and just see. Well, this might be a great opportunity for that because, you know, my palate has been leaning more towards the Dominican, more savory side and less spicy lately. 
So I think that's having an impact on it. But coming from the My Father factory, we know this is going to be very spice forward. We know it's going to be very Nicaraguan. So it's going to be really exciting. I'll tell you what, the Jacob's Ladder is just the cigar. Yeah. It's just the cigar. It's it's the strongest cigar Southern Draw makes, but it's still smooth, well-balanced, savory. You just can't beat that particular cigar. And all. How's the Guardian treating you? Really, really well. As I mentioned, I've already smoked two cigars today. So I'm not on nearly as fresh a palate as I would have liked. Again, if you're going to bring me cigars, you got to let me know ahead of time so I can plan. Um, but my coffee's helping balance in that out, and they're pairing perfectly. I'm really, really enjoying this. It's starting to... I'm about an inch in. It's starting to warm up, and I'm starting to get a little bit more of that Criollo flavor, which I'm really enjoying. Those are just such good cigars, and cigar for the money, such a good cigar. No wonder it was number eight. Right. Well, actually, wonder it was number eight. <laughs> as good a cigar as it is, but... You know, I couldn't let a show go without taking a shot at aficionado. No, I know. But but it's also, Warp Cigars isn't one of those. It's one, or it is one that flies under the radar for so many people and publications as well. You know, they get a lot of love from Half Wheel, but they're about the only major market, you know, publish, publication that's really giving them a whole lot of airtime. So, so the fact that they made it as high of eight on aficionado's list is actually quite a testament to how good this cigar is. Yeah, that really made... Because, I mean, you know, the Black Honey was a warped that I smoked earlier right. this year. And the Black Honey at two and a half times the price, I'd take a Guardian. Mm-hmm. I just prefer the, the flavor of it. I like the Black Honey. There was nothing wrong with it. This would be a great golf course cigar. Yeah. It, not only at that price, but it's just... It's so complimentary to, to whatever's going on. Like, I just... It just feels like a Swiss Army knife to me. I wish they'd made it they made it in a larger ring gauge. Yeah, I, w- I would prefer that. But that being said, coming off the heels of that 6x60 I smoked earlier today, I'm kind of enjoying the smaller ring gauge. Having having a little more flexibility and moosh movement with your cigar, but let's take a few minutes break. And all we got a lot coming up in the second half of the show, so let's break just a little bit early. Give them the cigar under $8, enjoy our cigars, and we'll be right back. Shane here with this week's Cigar Under $8. This week, Trey, I want to talk to you about the Camacho Connecticut. I love everything that they make. The Connecticut is the least priced in their line, and it's also the cigar seems to go on sale more often. As we've talked about before, I think people primarily are getting away from Connecticut. I think as a, as a cigar-smoking population, we're going to more bolder flavors. But this is, for a Connecticut, it's really hard to beat. It is. It's, the, you know, it's kind of the original Camacho cigar. Mm-hmm. It's really got a lot of flavor. It's a, the wrapper is Ecuadorian Connecticut, and the origin is Honduras. So it's Honduran tobacco, made in the Davidoff factory now, now that Davidoff bought Camacho, what was it, 10 years ago? Not quite, about, yeah, probably close to that. But great cigar, you can always find a bargain on a box of these. You can get a box of these in that $150 range pretty easy. And Camacho's really known for their full-flavored stuff. So if you find the Camacho line a little too strong for your palate, this is a great way to get in and try some of their what they can do. I keep some on hand because it's the perfect cigar to hand to somebody, mm-hmm. somebody who's not a regular smoker. It's the Camacho Connecticut, under $8, absolutely a wonderful smoke. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane Reeves. This segment brought to you by Okastogie's, Central Florida's premium cigar outlet. Come in today and wrestle our alligator snappy for a chance to win a free Gurkha. Sitting across from Trey Dedman. <laughs> I don't even know what to say sometimes. <laughs> so this weekend, my father just bought two lots on, on Lake Okeechobee. Okay. And he, he was really telling me up about it. Oh, you need to come spend a couple of weeks with me down there. We'll fish. It's a gigantic lake. They got a clubhouse there. And, I, and I'm kind of getting a little excited. I'm thinking, if I moved to Lake Okeechobee, what would I name my cigar store? Okastogies. I like it. I'm at, see, why am I not in charge of naming stuff? 
why is there just not some people coming to me every day saying, Shane, here's a C note, name my product? Well, then I need to get with you after the show and have you come up with a good nickname for my new running shoes. Okay. I'll have, I'll have to work on that. Yeah. Well, see, the I track all of my stuff on, on Strava, which is the app, and you can put your gear in and it tracks your mileage so you know when it's coming up time to replace your shoes or, you know, do some bike maintenance based on these intervals. But to, to add it, you have to have a nickname. So my road shoes are Dan Marino because they're Miami Dolphins colors. Just by chance, I didn't. Not a long-time Dolphins <laughs> fan? No, no. It, it, was, it was pure coincidence. But so I've got some new trail shoes to get ready for Pikes Peak, and I don't have a nickname for them. So I'm, I'm going to let you be in charge of that. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll work on it. This weekend, I named my two gnomes in my front yard, Leroy and Jenkins. <laughs> so there, there's always something being named at my house. I don't know how that works. It's just who I am. But coming back, so Guardian of the Farm still treating you well? It's, I'm getting some real good leather hints. I don't know if you experience that. You're not a big tasting nose guy. Well, neither one of us are, but every once in a while, a flavor will just hit me square between the eyes. And this is, is so leathery, and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Well, this Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania Broadleaf Wrapper is on this Jacob's Ladder really good. I love this wrapper, and like we talked about at the beginning of the show, real toothy. Feels like you're holding a cigar when you've got this in your hand. Yeah, minus the the frilly band, it, it looks like a cigar. Yeah, minus the. It's very ornate, highly decorative. That's right. Yeah. Very outstanding band. So I need to give Austin here at the cigar shop an attaboy this week. All right. So Foundation released at the IPCPR show their humidor that was full of the tabernacles, and it was the big humidor case and it opened up and it folded out on each side had wings and it was full of cigars like an old tackle box used to kind of yeah the you know in the msrp there are only 200 of the of the handmade humidors produced oh wow and uh, i don't think he had one of the handmade though because this one looked a little more factory you know it's kind of like when they do the monster they do the the dress box and then they do the regular box i see but this still, it was a cigar, it was a box of, you know, a full box of cigars, and it was retailing at around that $500 range. And all, That's and, not bad. No, it wasn't terrible. But he had two of them come in. He sold one, and the other one, he sold the cigars out of to us. That's... Which I think is just a class move. Instead of waiting for that one guy to come get all of them, we each got to get a little taste of that. That's one of those things when cigars do special releases like that, it's always nice if you can't shell out or don't want to shell out the eight, five hundred, two thousand bucks, whatever it is, it's always nice when you have the opportunity to to be able to get that cigar in without having to, you know, buy the whole box. I know a, a bunch of shops that I used to go to back when the Padron 80th came out in that huge, ornate, beautiful, like, humidor with the drawers and the thing. Oh, yeah. It was, you know, it was was $2,000 for the box, and I think it was only, like, 20 cigars. What a lot of shops would do is you could buy them for, like, 20 bucks a piece, or 40 or 50 bucks a piece, I think it was, and everyone who bought one of those cigars got a raffle ticket. And then at the end, once the box was gone, they raffled off from right. all the people. And I think that's a fantastic way, way to go about that. It is. I, I don't think that violates any end user agreements or anything like that. The cigar industry seems a little cooler than that. Every once in a while, you'll get a hold of something like that. I know when LFD came out with the beer steins about four or five years ago, there was an, an, an agreement that those could only be sold as a package deal. But... I don't. You don't hear about that very often. No, and th- this is you know this is a tabernacle. It was a Mexican San Andreas binder, Connecticut broadleaf wrapper, and the tobacco sourced from the Hamastron Valley in Honduras and Esteli and Jalapa. So there's a lot of different tobaccos in what was a very small cigar. Yeah. And um, the guy I know that got the box, there was like six left, and he said, "Hey, I'll buy all six of them if you'll let me have the box." And it just, you know, all came off about a hitch. But that was just a good move on Austin's part. I think a cigar store owner builds a lot of goodwill when they do things like that. Especially when it's a cigar like that that has a lot of um, 
kind of buzz around it where a lot of people want to get their hands on it. And this is kind of the only opportunity they may have. Yeah, it, it comes in this box or not at all. Mm-hmm. So, very good. I was really happy with that. Now, the other thing that happened in Cigar News this week is Scandinavian Tobacco Company completed the purchase of Thompson Cigars. That, I think that's going to be a really good move. Well, so, Scandinavian Tobacco owns Cigars International, which is one of the biggest cigar retailers. Mm -hmm. And they purchased Thompson Cigars to go with that. And they're actually talking about opening some shops. And I I think, strangely, that seems to be the way people are going. You know, Monte Cristo is is rapidly opening some stores. Uh, Davidoff has been expanding their bespoke lounges over the past few years. Uh, Now... I mean, $62 million is what the final purchase price of Tom's Cigar was. Like, that's, that's a lot of coin. That's a, that's a lot of coin, especially when you already own Cigars International. I wonder what it's going to do. I mean, because when I think of Thompson Cigar, I think of their online presence. Because that's most of... They do have a couple of retail shops already, but that's most of what you think of. So between Cigars International and Thompson, now under the one roof, I wonder what that's going to do, if it's going to further drive the online prices down, because now your, your buying power just doubled on what was already really, really strong, or, or what that's going to do. It'll be interesting. And of course, the FDA, you know, I'd like to say it's a bold move on Scandinavian Tobacco's part to pay $60 million for a, or $62 million for yeah, a tobacco Yeah, don't forget company. that $2 million. Yeah. The $62 million for a tobacco company with all the legislation kind of up in the air and looming, that kind of tells me, because $62 million, that means if you've got that to throw around, you probably own at least one congressman. At least. I got, I got to think, if you're throwing away that kind of, or throwing around that kind of coin, you, you own a couple of congressmen. And I firmly believe, you know, we grumble about it, but I firmly believe we will get a premium cigar exemption. It's, I want to be optimistic. You know, this is cautiously optimistic, but it, it's really starting to seem like it's going to go that way. Well, it's funny. My complaint with the cigar, um, the FDA, is the same complaint as I have with the gun people. And I'll, if they would say, okay, Shane, we want your AR-15s. And I say, okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you my AR-15s. I'll give you silencers. I'll give you bump stocks. I'll give you any, any clip I've got that holds over 10 rounds. Um, I don't own any hand grenades, but you can have them too. I'll bring those to the office. And in return, you will shut your yap for the rest of my life about shotguns, rifles, and handguns. That seems fair to me. It's a complete compromise. Yeah. Now, is it constitutional? No, but it still doesn't bother me because I would make that compromise because that's what I seek in life. I seek a compromise with the tobacco, the FDA. Okay, FDA, here's the deal. Regulate the far out of machine-made cigars. I don't think machine-made cigars do anything well for anyone. There's some exceptions to that. Well, you can have them. You can have all the machine-made cigars. You can have all the vaping in the world. You can have all the cigarettes and leave my premium cigars alone for the rest of my life. Well, that's the problem is that there's never a, there's, there's never a stopping point. Right. They're never satisfied. They're never full. You have to fight them on every, for every penny because eventually they'll get all your dollars. Right, exactly. It's like my, my great-grandfather was, was such an interesting man. He was a cattle farmer. Uh, born in the 20s, so he he saw, or no, he was born in 1918. Cattle farmer all his life from a really rural family. Had more money than anyone would ever know or he could ever spend because he never spent it. Right. But he would spend $10 to keep the government from getting a dime. Right. It, it was, it, I mean, I applaud, I, I, I definitely agree with that kind of sentiment, but it was just so funny how, like you say, fighting for pennies because of what's coming down the road, like you kind of have to at a certain point. It's that, it's that concept of F you money or F me money. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's even worse in the, in every other aspect of our life, you know, in my marriage, when Glenn and I get ready to make a decision, I say, okay, here's a hundred percent of what I want. She says, okay, here's a hundred percent of what I want. 
we reach a compromise where we're both getting 80% of what we want. You give up 20% of what you want, and we're both getting 80% of what we want, and we're both happy, and we'll be married 20 years very soon. And it just works wonderfully. Why, if that works in every aspect of life, can government and other people not let it work? Because they can't ask for 100% of what they want. Because 100% of what they want is, is prohibition of tobacco. That's Actually, that's probably still not even 100% of what they want. They probably also want to imprison anybody who's ever smoked. But, but they can't say that because they have to get reelected. Or they can't say that because they're holding this other little piece so that once this goes through, now they have more clout from political moving chess pieces around. If they would just come out and say, this is what we're really after. Like, all the cards on the table, this is what I want. But you're never going to get that. And that's why the compromise never quite... Well, and that's another problem. I don't think the government wants a prohibition on tobacco. I don't think that's what these people want. I think because these people know with a prohibition on tobacco, that means all the money they're collecting on tobacco tax is now gone. Okay, maybe maybe the government itself doesn't want that, but the people, the, the average Joes who support this, that's what they want. They were, they're the people that look at you with side eye when you're walking down the sidewalk and they're on the other side of the street and up quarter mile because they can smell a hint of something burning and think you're going to give them cancer. Sure. And, I'll, and hey, folks, tell everybody a little something. Life is a precancerous condition. Don't spend time worrying about it. Right. <laughs> talk, about, talk about feeding the wrong wolf. Quit worrying about it. Just enjoy yourself. Enjoy life in moderation. Have a good whiskey. Have a good cigar. If you can enjoy it in moderation, enjoy it in moderation. Don't try. Don't think because, you know, there are people out there who are not drinkers. Who, you know, my grandfather was a person who was not in favor of alcohol at all. He did not care for alcohol anywhere around any environment. And it came from a deep wound in his life where his daddy used to run moonshine. Mm-hmm. Well, his daddy ran moonshine because he could make more money selling corn by the gallon than he could by the bushel. It was a pure... I've never heard, heard it explained quite that way, but I really like that. Yeah, that, it was the truth. I mean, really, he had 16 kids to feed. Mm-hmm. An acre of corn needed to sell for the top amount possible, and the best way to sell it was by the gallon. Yeah. And all, but Papa hated alcohol because that was part of it, and he grew up during that Prohibition era, and had all, he had all these deep-seated resentment toward it. But he never said, you shouldn't drink that. Right. He just chose not to drink it himself. Well, I mean, a perfect example of this, is, and it's kind of come up in my life a few times recently, uh, I, I don't like marijuana. I don't like being in that environment. I don't like being around it. That being said, I'm all for its legalization. Fine with it. You know, be, because those two things are fairly separate. If you want to use it, go for it. I just, I don't like being in, being around it. I don't like the environment that typically goes with it and the people that typically go with it. And so, but, but I would never be so presumptuous as to say, well, I don't like it, so you can't. Well, and here again, this is Shane offering a compromise. Let's legalize it in 25 states, leave it illegal in the other 25 And then if somebody wants to smoke marijuana every day and wants to live where it's legal, they pick themselves up and move there. Well, what do you do about Hawaii and Alaska? Are they they legal or illegal? Because that seems like it would be... I think you have to make it legal in both. One, in Alaska, it's so big. What else are you going to do? Well, it's so widespread and such a big place, it'd be impossible to police it anyway. Let them have it. In um, in Hawaii, eh, it's tropical. If somebody wants to do it, that's fine. You're in paradise. Yeah, enjoy it. Okay, so let's say 24 states illegal. 24 states illegal. 28 legal or 26 legal. The math whiz, Shane Reese. That's right. <laughs> I didn't tell you we have 52 states now. <laughs> but but anyway, I mean, I just wish we could engender a culture that believed in compromise. That would say, this is what I want, and I'm willing to give up. 20 30 percent of that if you're willing to meet me there well yeah i mean but i mean for me smoking cigars at all is kind of an exercise in compromise because i would love to smoke padron anniversaries all day long every day multiple times a day not only would my bank account allow for that but even if it did i would it's that value for money is 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 an ongoing compromise that you see in every walk of life yeah 
in our and there is a lot to it. We've spoken about it before to delayed gratification. Mm-hmm. You know, I've held on to a cigar. This Sunday is WrestleMania. And WrestleMania. I thought we were going to get through the show without mentioning it. Oh, no. <laughs> and WrestleMania is the big one, and I've got the guys coming over, and I'm going to be cooking, and we're going to have a big meal, and we're going to sit on the porch and smoke good cigars and watch professional wrestling. And I've been holding on to a cigar since my birthday. Austin gave me a really nice Padron, and when he put that Padron in my hand, I could just see the WrestleMania logo on the band. It was calling to you. I knew it would be my WrestleMania cigar. Now, if I had just lit that cigar that night and smoked it, I'd have enjoyed it. But saving it to WrestleMania, every time I open my humidor, I've got it sitting about eye level, where when I open my humidor, I see it and say, uh-huh, four days, your day is coming. And all, and just marking down the days till I fire up that cigar and watch the, the granddaddy of them all. So there's something to be said for delayed gratification as, as part of just enjoying life in general. Having everything all the time is not always the best way to go. But I am interested to see how the big tobacco companies start opening their own stores. I can't decide if I'm for it or against it because I like my local brick-and-mortar guys. Yeah, I would never want to see it interfere with that, right? Because we've we've already seen it with the online marketplace. It it did put a dent in the brick and mortar sales. And that's why you have cut fees now because people can buy them cheaper online and they try and bring them into a brick and mortar store, which is immoral in my opinion. I'm just going to be bold about that. So, if they bring that same purchase power to the brick and mortar, now they're they're going to have more overhead. So, they can't have online prices. But if they may end up pricing out the mom and pop shops, and I'm not okay with that. Well, I do think, though, that like we were speaking of Alaska, that the United States is such a big group. You know, we have a Casa de Monte Cristo that's about 20 minutes from where we are right now. But we would have to drive through the worst of Nashville traffic to get to it. True. I'll come here and save the, the hours that I was going to spend driving and the time that it was going to take me to get there and to get home, I'll spend a little bit more to come here and have a cigar because it's convenient. Well, and I'll tell you what, all I, I actually have to drive by it to get here. And with the exception of someone who specifically wants to meet at that shop, I'm coming here on my time as opposed to going up there anyway. It's a great shop, uh, but it's not my shop. This is, this is the place I feel at home. Yeah, and the secret is to have a clientele that's proud of their shop but doesn't feel entitled by their shop. That's the key, and, and you run into that in every every shop I've ever been a part of. You have the customers that that take a take it a little too seriously. You know, they leave their trash lying around. They walk behind the bar because they feel like they're here enough that they're somewhat entitled to that. Or they, you know, they in one of the other shops they used to that I used to be a regular at. They would monopolize the TV. Like there was a group of guys that would always sit in this one area, and that was their TV, and you weren't allowed to touch it you weren't that was it was there and it's like okay but the the world series is on like everyone in here is wearing whatever team's colors like clearly there's an event like you need to get rid nope nope i spend enough time in this seat that that's i get my way i don't like that i don't i don't like you know we have a guy in the shop that lets his ash just fall to the ground well, it's worse than that. He intentionally ashes on the ground. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he does it on purpose because he feels like, you know, he should be able to do that. And that's just that's disrespectful. At the bottom of the pile, you have disrespect. And that's just plain disrespect. Yeah. And it, not that it really matters, but it would be different if he were spending more in here than anybody else. It, it, it would still be wrong. But this particular person also happens to spend very, very little here and takes up more space than makes up for in, in shop purchases. And I, I hate to be about money like that, but it's a business. It is. And especially if you're going to go so far as to be disrespectful to the owner, to the property, and to the employees here, you know, at least back, have some redeeming quality to back it up. So on to something happy. Now, I'm not a sports guy. Sports are not my... Oh, my now you're stick. going to make me really happy. It's baseball season. Yeah, being as I, as I did bring <laughs> WrestleMania in, I feel it only fair that you... I have been waiting for baseball season for three months. I am so excited that this year was the earliest opening day in MLB history. It was March 27th. And 
we've had a great first week of baseball. I've, I've I finally figured out a way. I, I don't have cable. I buy all my stuff a la carte, and I was searching because I'm a Braves fan. Grew up, you know, here, and and the Braves were kind of the closest team, and and one of my little league teams was the Braves, and so it just was a match made in heaven. I've been a Braves fan since I was a kid. So I've been fighting tooth and nail to find a way to be able to watch watch my team. And I, I'm going to say it on the air because I don't know how long I'll be able to say it this season. But we actually have a winning record. I don't know how long it'll last because it doesn't – if years past have been any indication, it's not, gonna, it's not going to last very long. But it's been – but I finally figured out a way to, uh, to, to stream them. And so I'm, I'm watching them at, at home. It, it's, I'm so excited that baseball season's here. So what appeals to you about baseball? I always ask people this question because rarely ever is it the answer I think it would be. What appeals to you about baseball? It's, it's America's game. I mean, the history of baseball. And I'm not one of these sports statistic guys that can you know, tell you all of Ty Cobb's statistics and Babe Ruth and all that stuff. But the history of the game, I watched a fantastic documentary, Ken Burns' documentary called Baseball. And it goes all the way back to Abner Doubleday through about the 90s. And just hearing these people talk about the first time at a ballpark and and then learning all the history of the teams moving around and and how baseball has actually affected... uh, you know, political changes in the country or, or in these regions, it's, it's fascinating to me. The other thing is, I'm a data analyst, right? So, name another sport where there's more data and stats and figures, and it's just so fun to look at, well, when was the last time that a left-handed pitcher with a swollen right toe pitched a no-hitter in August in an open-door stadium? You can find that information, it was 1984. So, <laughs> glad to know that. <laughs> but uh, that aspect of the fact that it's just—it's a leisurely game. It's a lot like golf, but a little more happens. Uh, and and going to a ballpark, there's there's nothing. I, I'll go to a hockey game. I'll go to a football game. I enjoy those. I won't go to a basketball game. But being in a baseball stadium is just one of my favorite places on earth. It's, it's interesting because I always ask, because I'm, I'm not the sports guy, I, you know, obviously. Um, I always ask people, hey, what attracts you to this? What, what makes this a key portion of your life? You know, a friend of mine and I, we're going on a cruise in September, and he's, oh, we need to be sure we schedule that cruise on a um, Titans off week. I'm going to schedule the cruise when it's cheapest. <laughs> but, but the concept of structuring my life around a Titans home game blows my mind. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't go that far really with anything in my life. You know, I'm, I'm a spectator. I, I enjoy this. And so, but it's not... I think the only people that should really be scheduling their lives around a sporting event are those who are playing it or coaching it. Yeah. And I don't think that kids should be pressured too much into it. I think if a kid enjoys it, it's a good opportunity to teach that kid balance. Absolutely. Oh, you, you like playing baseball. Great. Well, you had a good season this season, and you can do it next season. Well, Dad, there's a travel league in Botswana that we can fly over there every Saturday for the next six months, and I can play more baseball. No. Well, that no. I'm going to disagree with you on that point. If the son, If the son says to the dad... Or the daughter says to the dad, because in this area, there's a lot of softball. That's huge. In fact, my daughter playing softball this year. So if, if the kid says to the parent, hey, I want to do more of this, I say, go for it. I say, absolutely go for it. Now, if the parent is saying to the child, I need you throwing 100 pitches a day, you can't eat dinner until you've run 50 wind sprints, and you're going to play travel ball, you're going to play fall ball, you're going to play spring ball, you're going to be on six different teams, you're going to live, eat, sleep, breathe, because we want to get you a scholarship to college. That's where it, it crosses the line for me. Yeah, and if they put a, if you put away the money, all, the, all of the uber sports parents out there, the money you would spend on traveling, on gas, on wear and tear on the vehicle, on hotel rooms, wear on and tear missed, on your relationship with your spouse. Yeah, missed missed experiences. 
if you figure up all of that money and put it into a bank account, you, tuition really isn't an issue. Well, but at the same time, like I said, if the kid loves it, I say pour your heart into it. I think it's a good thing if the kid loves it that he understands that he has to have balance in his life. He cannot eat, sleep, and breathe it. I think that you start teaching balance at an early age, and this is a excellent sports is an excellent opportunity to teach that balance. Hey, had a great football season. Be ready for the next one. You know, and let them move through that. Well, I think we're going to have to agree to disagree on that one. Well, it's a, it's a varying philosophy. Yeah. It's, it's definitely where our philosophy split and it's also because I don't understand sports but it's also but the other thing for me that that I'm starting to notice more and more is you know sports parents get a real bad rap for being real like yelling and you know my daughter's 9 she's starting to get into that age where they actually know what they're doing right so the parents are starting to kind of coach from the stands i see where she plays it's not like this but i keep seeing these things pop up on the internet of signs that says hey remember they're just kids like parents be silent parents be quiet and like no cheering no jeering all that kind of thing. I love that idea like let the kids just enjoy the game don't get all pressured it's one of those things whenever I watch her play I don't cheer I don't call her name I don't I, I cheer but I don't like and and I'm always very cognizant of the pressure that the parents are putting on the kids and I think that's really really important more so than putting them into a bunch of different leagues and all that stuff is just where the pressure's coming from. Well, and there's, you know, I'm probably going to give up turkey hunting. I've about figured out in my life that turkey hunting does not fit in my schedule because turkey hunting starts at the same time garage sales start. That's mine and my wife's thing, Mm -hmm. is to get up on Saturday morning and go garage sale and then go to the gym and then go have a nice dinner and probably end up at the cigar lounge by the end of the day. That's mine and my wife's thing. It feels selfish to me to say, oh, hey, honey, can't do our thing this weekend. I've got to go try to chase the thunder chicken. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, I don't think it's, it feels selfish to me. Yeah. And, I'll, and I love turkey hunting, but I think I'm about to give it up for that simple reason. That my relationship with my wife means so much more to me than getting to get out there and shoot a bird. Well, that's very sage advice. I think that's a good place to wrap it up this week. We'll uh, wrap it up. We, we've enriched the lives of our listening audience. How, <laughs> how can they contribute to this conversation, Trey? Well, they can drop us a line at info at the cigarcast.com. Uh, got a great couple of emails this week from you guys uh, with some show suggestions. Really appreciate that. Keep them coming. We'll get to those in the next few weeks or so. Uh, you can always reach us on Instagram and Twitter at the cigarcast. And then facebook.com slash the cigar cast as well thought i was gonna have to bail you out you almost did well there's a guy walking on the roof of that three-story building over there that's got me a little distracted but he's got a he's got a tool belt so i don't think he's about to jump okay well that's that's good i always say a, a tool belt that set of cover hauls can get you into any situation but anyway and talk about sewage <laughs> until next week everyone have a good cigar and think well of us 